welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan, I'm a sex blogger, a sex journalist, and I'm very sick today, so my voice sounds like a cartoon crocodile. Who are you, friend? I'm Bex, I'm a sex educator and blogger, and I'm super excited that you are in the same room as me today. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's our first time doing this, it's super weird. <laughs> first time for something else, too, because we have a guest on the show. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I'm so excited to have our first guest. Um, who are you, guest? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Cooper Beckett, host of Life on the Swing Set, author, uh, loudmouth. <laughs> That's me. Awesome, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. So, I'm always excited. I mean, you do have the... the Legit most adorable podcast name <laughs> I have ever seen. Thank you. That's so flattering. We're big fans of puns and portmanteaus, so we were excited when we stumbled upon this title. I really feel like it suits us and our brand perfectly. Um, so we, I'm, I'm always excited to talk to other people who live their sex lives online very publicly in the way that we do, because it is really like a pretty unique situation and one that a lot of people find mystifying. So it's nice to talk to other mm -hmm. people in the same situation. Um, I'm wondering, like, how did you first get into, like, like, how did you decide to start sharing your sex life publicly online in, in such a public way? Well, I, when I discovered swinging, I didn't feel like there were a lot of great resources mm -hmm. out there. And a lot of the ones that were out there felt rather exclusionary, whether they intended to or not. It felt like uh, this is a this is an awesome thing, but you're probably not going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll mm -hmm. probably ruin your relationship. Mm -hmm. and but until then, we. So once <laughs> <laughs> once I'd started swinging and and realized what an amazing thing it was and what it what it you know that. If only I had known it was a possibility earlier. Mm -hmm. I realized that part of what I needed to do to give back was to let people know it's a possibility. Because that's, you know, and the only way to do that is to speak loud and proud <laughs> about it. And I'm a bit of a narcissist who <laughs> believes that I uh, understand fundamental truths without a lot of experience. And I believe that about swinging. Uh -huh. uh, that after a year, I understood this complicated and bizarre lifestyle well enough to tell other people how to do it. <laughs> um, and I recognize how that makes me sound. <laughs> I do. But it was, it was important to me that I create a resource that I wish I had had mm -hmm. when I started swinging. And that's why uh, Dylan and I created Life on the Swing Set is because we needed to put into the world a safe place for people to explore and uh, a place that wasn't going to talk down to them and make them feel like idiots for asking the most basic of questions about swinging. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Which is necessary. And I, I get that. I often think of my ideal reader for my blog as being basically myself five or ten years ago and like what yeah. did I need back then and what would have been helpful for me in my evolution. So yeah, I get that. I think that's a good way to look at it. And then once you got started, you know, it's 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 hard to have. Uh, okay, here's here's really why I share the way I do. 
is I am not a I'm not accredited. I have no credentials. I have no legitimate um, professional reason why I should be listened to. <laughs> what I do have is a lot of experience and a lot of fuck ups that I am not hiding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I personal I personally believe is extremely valuable. You know the it's extremely valuable to have the professionals, the objectivity, the people who don't share their lives with you because that allows them to maintain that professional distance. But it also is incredibly beneficial to be able to hear from someone who says, uh, I fucked up, here's how, you shouldn't do it this way. <laughs> because that was really bad when I did that. <laughs> You know. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, too, because, like, when I first kind of get in, got into it and the world of, like, talking about sex online, I felt like there had to be that disconnect between me and what I was saying and mm -hmm. not being able to get personal because that made me less credible. Um, sure. So I think, for me, um, personal posts and also just, like writing, um, you know, about my own sexuality and in an activist sort of way, in a, like, you're okay, you can do this, that kind of stuff, was something I came to gradually, and I think it's interesting that's, that that's what motivated you at the beginning to start. Yeah. Well, I, I see that it's, I, I come from the place of uh, white male privilege here uh -huh. in that I am far less likely to be judged for what I'm putting out there mm -hmm. than uh, the two of you which is horrifying when I see my my fellow bloggers, my fellow writers who speak about sex like Krista Ann Pinkness is mm -hmm. the most horrifying example of how people pile on yeah. uh, just because you know she is embodying what they see as the term slut that needs to be shamed. Mm -hmm. And that's awful. And she wasn't even and like, she didn't even write, the thing that made her go viral wasn't about sleeping around or even like no. her poly relationships <laughs> and stuff. It was like, sometimes yeah. I get off alone. Yeah. <laughs> and the I'm world shocked. was like, like how, how God dare forbid. you do the thing that we all do all the time? How dare you yeah. talk about that? Well, it's, 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 uh, I, the pushback that I see, the pushback that I get is that I am breaking the social contract. And the social contract is that you're going to be monogamous or you're going to cheat and keep quiet about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be miserable and like by, the rest of us. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Well, and, and, you know, as, as glib as that is, I do think that's a huge cornerstone of that. The people that are so anti what it is we're doing also seem to be the people who so desperately want to be doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And because they can't, I'm going to be yelled at because I can't then. <laughs> because, you know, it's... Right. It's... It's I, I I hesitate to say it's it's mostly jealousy, but I really truly think it is, and I think slut shaming is the same thing. It's a guy, by and large, but we know women do it too, but not as much. Uh, a guy who wants to fuck this hot person online knows he'll never get to, <laughs> and so he abuses her instead because she has rejected him in his mind by not being available to him. Mm -hmm. 
you know and it's that sad and pathetic cornerstone that that is is like the the base level of most online slut shaming and why it is so hard for anyone but especially women to live their sexuality online and share their sexuality yeah a, a place where i see jealousy coming into play with this kind of stuff is like yeah i get like constant attention from male trolls but i find that when women do very occasionally email me like hate mail or angry tweets or whatever like they're often the most venomous criticisms of my work and it does it does come to it seems to come from a place of jealousy where it's like yeah they see some kind of freedom in me that they don't feel that they have access to and so they're telling me to like step back into the social contract like what you were saying and kind of like go back to a place that where they're comfortable with my behavior and it's like no like just take me as an example you don't have to live this life that makes you feel trapped yeah it's like how dare you be comfortable Uh with this thing that terrifies me (laughs) (laughs) yeah when is isn't that what we're all trying to do we're all trying to share alternative ways of living uh because they make us happier Mm -hmm. and and like also terrify us yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) it's not like i mean my experiences with just like poly and sexuality and everything me and Kate both have, like, anxiety and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like this is all rainbows. Like, there are times when we're like, oh, God! Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy for us. I think us, that may so. also be a cornerstone for the online sharers is crippling anxiety oh, yeah. in the real world. It Maybe does that seem is to why be we share very common online. amongst yeah. people like us. Like, I do seem to see a lot of anxiety and, like, also depression. Like, there just seems to be a lot of, like, oh, the yeah. same issues. When you know it, that I've I've thought a lot about that um, specifically recently, mm-hmm. and um, there's also a lot of medical issues like chronic medical issues yeah. in mm-hmm. our community. And I thought about why that why that possibly would be because it seems like a, a disproportionately large amount. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I realized what what it likely is is when you grow up happy and content you are unlikely to look for alternatives to your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was depressive in high school. I was suicidal. I was I was uh, emotionally abused by my peers, you know, bullied. It was so I looked for I looked for a way out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't I didn't find it in high school because I still chose the path. I met a girl, I got married and I was married, monogamously married for a long time. And then when when that reality when that future started to get shaky it made me start looking again uh, at the, at the world and maybe maybe this isn't the reality for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think people who people who deal with chronic pain all their lives are probably always exploring alternatives to the life they're living Mm -hmm. be it through fiction or through exploring things that their friends aren't even considering Mm -hmm. you know people who have very happy family lives with married parents who who never fight are less likely to be the ones exploring alternatives to monogamy i think and i these are all broad statements and i recognize that but i feel like the depression and anxiety angle is significant 
because we are trying to to find our happiness elsewhere where other people are able to find their happiness in the status quo. Yeah, I think another big part of it too is that people who have either taken the time to look into themselves and see like, oh, these things that I'm doing are because of anxiety and depression and like that takes a lot of work either when therapy or solo or whatever. And that kind of introspection is the kind of stuff that's also like, oh, hey, let me look into XYZ other things. You know what I mean? So I think, um, and I get that with like queer folks too, where it's like, I think there's a big percentage of that because it's like, you had to think about how you have relationships because you, when you're queer, it's like, oh, well, here's one thing that's different. What other different things can happen? Yeah, that's true. You know, and I think as a community, we're very prone to looking, like, inward at ourselves and finding more and more different things and different places to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely think, like, I, I was, like, bullied a lot as a teen, and it made me want to seek out online communities where my differences would be valued and respected and you know, I found things like the Sex is Fun podcast, which I know you're familiar oh, yeah. with. And that really like changed oh, yeah. the whole trajectory of my life. And like here I am more than 10 years later doing my own sex podcast and, and modeling uh, a type of sex positivity like that podcast did for me when I was younger. So yeah, it definitely sent me on my way. <laughs> I, I do also have to credit Sex is Fun, yeah, for, for uh, getting me moving. Yeah. Do you know the story uh, about how I met Kidder last year? I I don't. Do tell. (laughs) Okay. So uh, for our listeners, like Kidder was the main host of the Sex is Fun podcast. And I have had a crush on him since I was 12 years old, (laughs) uh, (laughs) which is a very long time ago. Um, And also probably way too young to be having a crush on a sex podcaster. But uh, what can you do? The (laughs) The lives we lead. (laughs) But so last year we were going to Minneapolis. Um. And I suddenly remembered that uh, the Sex is Fun crew lived there and like the podcast has been off the air for ages. So, like I didn't know how to find this person, especially since that's not like Kidder is not his legal real name, obviously. So like I uh, we knew somebody who worked at the Smitten Kitten and he happened to know someone who knew Kidder and uh, connected me. And then I went out on a coffee date with Kidder and I got to like ask him all these questions about sex and uh, the podcast, and he, like, gave me a signed copy of his book, and, uh... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, at the end of the coffee, he, like, drove me back to my Airbnb, and he asked me if I wanted to kiss, and I was like, um, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, little 12-year-old me, all grown up, got to kiss her crush, finally, like, 12 years later. Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. Our lives are weird sometimes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So I mentioned uh, pseudonyms in that little spiel, and I uh, I did mm-hmm. want to ask you about like your decision to use a pseudonym because I think it's like a really important consideration for anybody who's getting into talking about sex on the internet. Like, can you tell me a bit about like why why was it important for you to use a pseudonym, and like why did you choose the one you chose? I feel like while my parents know about my shenanigans on a surface level, mm-hmm. 
um, they should not have to be confronted by it. Yeah. Because it's it's unnecessary. And the last thing I wanted was for their friends who may not be as accepting as they are to stumble upon me and throw it in their face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I am happy to answer for what I do. But no one else should have to. Mm -hmm. And so um, pseudonyms are great because they can allow for distance um, for family and friends who want the distance or need the distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I struggled with this for a long time because, like, I was just going by Girly Juice for years, which is, like, not a name. <laughs> I was always very embarrassed to, like, go to events and have to introduce myself like that. Um, Remember it, when it we just... It is hard to, to evolve past that, too. Yeah. Remember that time we just yelled Girly Juice through the <laughs> grocery store? <laughs> yeah, like, it's not a name, and it's, like, dorky, and... And, like, also, like, I just struggled with the feeling of, like, I was doing all this journalism as Kate Sloan, and I was, like, also really proud of my blog work, and it felt dishonest uh, and unfair to myself, in a way, to, to separate those two things and to not be able to publicly take credit sure. for both of those things. So, And the funny thing is that Kate Sloan still isn't even my real, my legal name. Uh, it's just the mm. name that I've used online and, like, professionally for, like, 10 years. So it, it is my my real name in the sense that I feel it's my true name or whatever, but legally it's not. You know, I feel, this, I feel the same way, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I've often said that if one of if one of my personalities is going down, it won't be Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, I do truly feel that, that um, creating the podcast and, and moving into this world and writing, uh, it, it is my true self in a way that I've never experienced mm -hmm. in my life. I've never been more me yeah. than I am right now. Yeah, that's a good feeling. Yeah, that is. I so I obviously go as Bex online, which is a nickname of my full legal name, but it's just different enough that it's not quite Googleable. Sure. <laughs> so like, it gives me that like you know half a layer of separation, which is nice. Um, but I had someone, one of the few people left in my vanilla life that isn't super familiar with like my blog and stuff he knows I do sex ed stuff but like he saw it and was like you know oh I see all this stuff like online that like Bex talks about and stuff but like and I guess he thought he was being cool but he was like but like I want to know what like the real you's into and stuff and I was like <laughs> sweetie Bex is more the real me than the one you know yeah. so uh, you can just like step off <laughs> like I was like that one's <laughs> more me <laughs> you know it's funny because that's that's one of the um what's one of my favorite compliments when I meet people who've who've uh, mainlined the podcast <laughs> is that that I am I am exactly who I am on the podcast mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's for better or for worse mm -hmm. you know I'm I recognize that I am a loud mouth and I will not <laughs> stop from saying what I believe whether it's whether it's smart or stupid <laughs> uh, but it's but you stand by uh, it I do and and I feel that you know as we were as we were talking about earlier, being that form of genuine is valuable in its very own special way. Yeah. Because then people don't feel like they're getting a front. Mm -hmm. 
You know, because it's it's really easy to be handed a version of people and then be disappointed by the reality of them. Yeah. Um, and and people can see through that. I think. Mm-hmm. So it it has always been important to me. And when when I did my memoir, it was built out of my blog posts throughout the first five years um, writing for Swing Set. Mm-hmm. And so my opinions at the beginning were dramatically different than my opinions at the at the end of that book. And it was very important to me not to rewrite my history and to present the unvarnished and frankly selfish and sometimes idiotic opinions that I had at the beginning <laughs> because it shows evolution and growth and, and that's more important than anything else. Right. Yeah, I think that's definitely a hard thing about like living so transparently online i look back to like even a year or two <laughs> years ago and i'm like oh god oh i said oh, yeah. those things <laughs> facebook's memories can be oh. tough sometimes yeah <laughs> like wow that's a thing i thought all right <laughs> I always try to like pro- like imagine that I'm projecting my best self as my internet persona and like a way that mm. I know that I'm doing that relatively well is that sometimes I'll mention online that I'm like a super shy anxious person like I have social anxiety and I can be super shy in lots of social yeah. situations and I get all these people on Twitter being like what are you talking about I would never think I would never call <laughs> you shy and I'm like well no like you're seeing me being Kate Sloan sex blogger on the internet and that's quite a different thing like <laughs> obviously it doesn't seem shy to talk about my clit on <laughs> on the interwebs all the time right. but like I am so <laughs> it's good to like have that space for the best possible version of myself. <laughs> I think uh... I, I struggle with that same thing because I am incredibly shy when I don't know a lot of people, mm-hmm. and so it, it's that's when the the version of me that they don't get to see comes out, and I present very differently. Like I host a yearly trip to Desire Resort and Spa in Mexico, mm-hmm. and I host it as the the podcast host you know <laughs> yeah. so everybody there at least is aware of me and if the and and probably would want to talk to me about something mm-hmm. you know if not have sex with me probably at least <laughs> want to say hi so i don't have to stand in the corner and feel like nobody wants to say hi to me which is my default mm-hmm. when i'm in a group where i don't know people yeah and they don't know me and so i am incredibly shy but i'm this converse amalgam of shy and extroverted <laughs> i am i am an introverted extrovert mm-hmm. and and i never know which side is going to come out i do know that it's very easy to be extroverted sitting in front of my computer talking to a microphone yeah. <laughs> and it's much harder to do that sitting in front of 30 people yeah you know yeah one of the things that my anxiety does kind of manifest with when I'm writing online and everything is like I'll have these moments where I'm like oh god is that is that too personal do I not want to share that like with <laughs> the world and then I'm like wait they're on a sex blog yeah. they do want to see that never mind like it's not even <laughs> like I'm anxious that like sometimes it is like oh god they're gonna see this part of me but a lot of times it's like oh I don't want to cross a boundary and make them uncomfortable by talking about my butt on the internet like that might be right. weird and then it's like wait they're on a sex blog it's fine <laughs> it's probably yeah. fine but well and and ultimately you know it's it is reinforcing a bubble 
in a way because you get anyone who's not fine with the real you will go away which does reinforce the bubble i get mm -hmm. it but i've been yelled at that i talk politics too much on a non-monogamy podcast <laughs> uh, i hate the argument that we're supposed to be sexy and not political but <laughs> like our so sex connected. lives are political <laughs> well and and that's that's really what i've been trying to reinforce lately is you're right not all politics is related to sex and so not all political opinions have a place in a sex podcast. But when politics is about limiting... Uh, I'm trying to dance around this because <laughs> I... Uh, you know, we're obviously in a very tense moment in history. Mm -hmm. And when politics is trying to limit sexuality, which they are... Yeah then it is our responsibility to talk about it. And it is the responsibility, I, I firmly believe it is the responsibility of every swinger and the rest of the world, but <laughs> the people listening to my podcast, it is the responsibility of every one of them to really, really take a deep look at their politics and their sexuality and reconcile those two things. Mm -hmm. Because if they want their wife to be uh, buy and fun on the weekends, but during the week they're going to be anti-gay protesting or not making a cake for a gay wedding, <laughs> then fuck them. Yeah. yeah. Because those two things should not... Be, you can't do that. You can't just box this up. And when you do... Yeah, yeah see, there there I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. Well, <laughs> no, it, it's, and they're all it's very important for all of our listeners to confront it. And frankly, if they're not willing to confront it, I am not sad to see them go as listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think part of just being authentically you and as queer alternative sexuality people, for most of us, that's also political. Um, yeah. And doing that is going to create the audience you want. And they might have a temper tantrum on their way out the door. But, like, <laughs> that's the internet. So, yeah. that's, like, I... That is also a part of me. So, you don't get that yeah. censored out. <laughs> and And I've made it clear, you know, it's like... If you're going to keep complaining about this, this is who I am. Just stop following me. It's real easy. <laughs> it's not going to get better. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to suddenly be okay with this. In fact, it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's like they stick around one until one day you wake up and you're like, ah, yes, those conservatives, you know, they get right. it. You know, you're right. You know... Everybody does need guns, and we should limit people's ability to love in peace. You're right. I understand now. I do. I, my eyes have been opened. <laughs> Thank you for the service you have performed. <laughs> I'm curious, though, uh, outside of, like, political stuff, Yeah. how do you decide with... Because obviously we share a lot about our sexuality and our relationships, which often involves mm -hmm. other people. And how do you kind oh, yes, of that's tough, isn't it? reconcile, yeah, what you're comfortable sharing and how do you, like, have those conversations with people and how do you kind of navigate that? Because that's something I've always struggled with. Well, I'm very open with 
um, anyone that I'm getting close to about my podcast and my writing. Mm -hmm. That it's mm -hmm. there. It's there for them to listen to if they want. You know, I'm, I'm not... It, it is one of the first things I talk about uh, with people, even before I go on a date with them. Because I want to give them the opportunity to opt out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? When I'm going to talk about someone in more than vague terms, um, I ask them how they would like to be referred to and if um, if they want to choose a pseudonym for themselves, I, I let them do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, it's it's a lot about being vague enough that they have deniability that it's them, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but clear enough that the point of the story is coming across. Yeah, and I only try to tell stories that involve others when it is important. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of podcasts in the swinging community are very much. Um, kiss and tell podcast like we went to this club last night and these are the things we did with these people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i never wanted to be that because while there is you know there's there's great titillation in that i've i felt like the the people being talked about probably did not have full awareness that they were going to be talked about right mm-hmm and so I'm like, I just had to have this conversation. I say had to have, I didn't have to have anything. I, I just had this conversation with uh, a woman that my partner Ophelia and I are dating because it's getting more and more serious. And we, and, and that is valuable to talk about because triad dynamics are unusual. Yeah. And so it is very valuable to my listeners to hear about, um, difficulties and positives mm -hmm. in in that dynamic and so i had the conversation with her it's like okay well are you okay with us talking about you more than just our girlfriend we went on a date you know mm -hmm. more than just the vagaries and she is and she gave a pseudonym and and i said i if there's anything major i will talk about it with you first like if there's any big thing that i feel like might be a source of conflict for her yeah you know and my ex-wife asked me to stop talking about her at, at one point uh before we got divorced she said she was not comfortable being public anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i respect that you know because i it, it is my choice to be public and everybody should have that choice that said when people are assholes and do asshole things I don't have a problem talking about them. I will never identify someone. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have a problem talking about that asshole at that party that did that thing. You know? I struggle with this so much because like, especially in the past six months, because I went through a breakup um, with someone who up till that point had been really enthusiastic about me writing about him and had said that he found it very flattering and um, it made him feel really good and he was 100% okay with it. And then when we broke up, he told me that I made him feel like uh, he was just another blog post or another tweet to me. And I was very hurt by this because like, I process my feelings and experiences through writing about them. And I had had his enthusiastic consent to talk about him in this way, obviously not identifying him, but mm -hmm. I really felt like he pulled the rug out from under me with that. 
Um, and so I've been trying to be like much more careful about making absolutely sure that I have people's consent to talk about them in the ways that I talk about them. Um, but yeah, when you said about like people who treat you bad, like people who are bad people, like how you talk about them, I always get so annoyed when, when people do shitty stuff to me and then say, don't write about this on your blog because I'm like, oh, you're okay (laughs) with me experiencing it, but you just don't want to look bad in my reader's eyes. Like, what is that? Well, yeah, no, that's, and that's totally it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, um, I don't think that's okay. Yeah. You know, you you can't get all the awesome titillating praise and knowledge that everybody on the podcast likes you because of all these sexy things they hear about you doing Mm -hmm. and then get upset if you're doing something that isn't sexy and titillating and and everything like that and like i think saying don't talk about this on the inter- on the internet it's like oh so you know how shitty you're being right now like you realize <laughs> yes. how bad this looks <laughs> and you just want to keep it contained to this room like mm, there, there's an issue there <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm trying to get better about it because I, I definitely don't want to make people feel uncomfortable like they can't go on a date with me because I'm going to write about it. <laughs> sure. But I also kind of, I try to be really upfront about what I do, like you said, because I don't know that I want to get super involved with people who are very private because I, you know, I do process my feelings through my writing and, and I want people to be okay with that. And if I go through something either really great or really hard I would love to be able to write about it and I think that it'll be valuable for my readers and so I think if I'm imagining my dream future partner like there's someone who is like yeah write whatever you want about me I'm flattered either way (laughs) yeah I I think I think it's it's a gray area and it evolves with every person I write about Mm -hmm. and and which is why uh one of the things that I've done is instead of really talking about them, I talk about how situations have affected me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an so angle it, I've it taken a, big a lot reframe. too. Yeah. Like one thing I noticed when I was working my way through the memoir is that I would use the term we a lot mm-hmm. at the beginning because I was talking about my ex wife and I as a couple and how we do swinging. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so one of the few things I actively changed in um, in that book, in the editing process, is I changed it to I. Because they were all my opinions. <laughs> yeah. I was just ascribing them to her because I was still in the couple mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's unfair. I should not ever ascribe opinions to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so that slight shift has made a big difference in in how I talk about people online, people who I interact with. Mm-hmm. It's that I felt something, which is, you know, how they tell you to argue with people. It's I statements, you know, how, how this affected me, not about you did this. <laughs> right, it's mm-hmm. about owning your own feelings and owning your part yeah. in that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Fuck that and fuck yeah is our weekly segment where we tell you something we hate and something we love. What's your fuck that this week, Cooper? I would. Uh, here, here's the thing, you know. I it's it's hard to be non-political in life right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Right. 
And so my fuck no is um, this decision that I'm not going to change who I am because the world is changing around me. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was a a period after the election where I really got concerned about what it would be like to have the online presence post election, mm-hmm. you know, in in the age of Trump. Mm-hmm. And so my my fuck no is I I refuse to change it and I I posted on um, Twitter that whenever anybody asks me to stop talking about something, which they do because they feel like it's not related, I'm going to talk louder now. <laughs> yeah. So feel free to ask me to stop being political, but I will just be more political <laughs> because clearly it matters if I'm being asked to stop. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, uh, so there. <laughs> this yeah. week, I actually got um, a new tattoo from a Game of Thrones quote. Um, but the full quote is, never forget what you are, the rest of the world won't. Wear it like armor and it can never mm. be used to hurt you. So yeah. I just got wear it like armor on my arm because, fuck it, I'm going to have to the next few years. It looks so yeah. good. <laughs> That's awesome. What's your fuck that, Bex? So my, just thinking about all of this, like, living online um, so openly is the way that somehow that creates, like, an imbalance in closeness with the people who, um, like, listen to me. The people who know me from reading my tweets and reading my blog and stuff, but I don't know them. Mm-hmm. And you get, like, this weird connection where you meet them for the first time, where somehow they feel, like, super close to you and sometimes will, like, divulge a bunch of information or just, like, say all this stuff. And you're like, (laughs) I, what's your name? Who, hello? (laughs) Like, and... (laughs) We've been having a one-sided conversation for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it just, (laughs) I wind up in this kind of uncomfortable spot where it's like, all right, you definitely think we're friends. Um, and we might be. I just got to talk to you a little bit. Because <laughs> you seem rad, but uh, yeah. who are you? <laughs> Let me catch up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My fuck that is uh, people who hold you to who you used to be. Like, people who think that your writing or what you've said in the past is, like, some kind of permanent expression of your sexuality and your personality Mm. and and who you are like I I still have people who will write to me and be like didn't you used to say that you were more on the dominant side of the spectrum like way back in the early days of your blog or like didn't you used to say you really like g-spot stimulation and I'll be like yeah but my tastes evolve over time and like I evolve as a person over time and like a a piece of writing is is really just like a snapshot of a particular moment in history and like I can't be that person forever so you know it's it's a historical archive it's it's not a a complete picture of who I currently am and it's like can can I just can I just grow as a person can you just let me be myself jeez yeah. <laughs> Let me live. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's we, move we on to change. something more cheerful. What is your fuck yeah, Cooper? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I it's also political, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, it's it's 
you know, my partner and our girlfriend and several other amazing women um, that I'm very close to all went to D.C. Awesome. This yes. uh, this past weekend for the Women's March on D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, it was truly amazing seeing seeing them do that and and be so brave and strong and stand together and support each other and that is inspirational to me and that shows the power of uh i mean i've always known the power of women but that shows the the amazing ability uh of women to stand together in a way that men haven't quite figured out (laughs) i think um and just watching the the feeds of people um and the the signs and the peaceful way that they protested and the strength and it it was unbelievably inspirational Mm -hmm. to see it's true there was an amazing sense of solidarity and community there and yeah it felt really important and historical even to observe it via tweets yeah i had a I hadn't taken the day off of work because I didn't expect to feel so much about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, seeing it happen online and, like, just on Facebook and, like, I knew so many people that were there. And I was like, oh, I would have liked to be a part of that because this, like, feels like the kind of thing that in 40, 50 years people are still going to talk about. Yeah, I think so. This... it was one of those moments that like felt historic while it was happening. That was really awesome. Hey Bex, what's your fuck yeah this week? <laughs> My fuck yeah is people who actively engage me in like negotiating what I can and can't talk about online mm. rather than making mm. me constantly like sit them down because again with like i will have that conversation it's part of my responsibility to be like hey so what about this are you comfortable what about this are you not comfortable with you know blah 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 but like i don't know i i i'm very present online i tweet a lot i write a lot um and it feels like in a lot of relations in a lot of relationships people are like "Ugh, you're on your phone again aren't you you know, like, that kind of thing. And, like, yeah, I'm on my phone a lot because all of the people I'm closest to live hundreds of miles away. <laughs> they live yeah. in my phone. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm on it a lot. Um, and, like, so when I was with my sir recently, he would, like, do things and be like, did you tweet about that yet? <laughs> you want to go get your phone? <laughs> and just, like... Not feeling like it was something they tolerated, mm-hmm. but like something he was actively oh. like, I know you enjoy this. <laughs> Go do this thing. <laughs> like, that was really cool. Modern romance. Oh. <laughs> That's lovely. It's adorable. <laughs> I actually, my fuck yeah is kind of similar. Um, I wrote a post recently called, You're vanilla, I'm not, but I love you. And it was this like very intense personal post about a fuck buddy who I used to have a whole lot of romantic feelings for and um I was like I had I had warned him in advance that I was writing this and like gotten his okay on it but like when it actually went up I was still pretty nervous about how he would respond to it and he sent me a message and and he wasn't even like mad or upset like I I thought he would 
be angry that I posted this thing, but he was just like, are you okay? Like, I I just wanted to check in and make sure that you're not still feeling all these like heartbreak feelings. And I was like, no, like they were in the past. Um, I, I processed them as I wrote this thing and I'm feeling a lot better now, but I just thought it was so sweet that he like checked in instead of getting judgy or angry. He just wanted to make sure I was okay. I thought that was nice. Yeah. That is yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Dildorks Cooper. Um, where can people find you? And if you want to like plug any of your stuff, I know you've got a lot of stuff on the go all the time. Well, uh, I, I have a promo code for your listeners. Oh, awesome. Ooh. Thank you. So if they buy any of my books through my website, cooperspeckett.com, and use promo code Dildorks, <laughs> they can save 10%. Amazing. So there's, there's that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I am I'm the host of the Life on the Swing Set podcast that you can find at lifeontheswingset.com. I'm uh, one of the admins of the Swing Set radio network at swingset.fm, which is a suite of sexuality podcasts and some non-sexuality that are just personal passions of mine, like Twin Peaks and Hannibal <laughs> and stuff like awesome. that. Um, you can find me on all social media at Cooper S. Beckett. And I do obviously talk a lot about politics, but I also talk a lot about sex, and I'm fairly self-defacing, even as I am a narcissistic loudmouth. <laughs> so there's that. And I'm I'm finishing up as we speak. Just before we started this call, I completed another chapter in my rewrite. I'm finishing up my second novel, um, which is about uh, a trip to a swinger resort in Mexico that... Uh, May bear a passing resemblance to the desire resort. (laughs) I've seen some excerpts from that on Facebook, and (laughs) it's pretty good. (laughs) I always love it. And if people sign up for my mailing list on my website, they can get the first few chapters. Awesome. Cool. So there's that. There's a lot of sex, <laughs> like a lot of sex. My my first uh, novel, I didn't I didn't really want it to be um, overwhelmed by the sex, but there there is so much <laughs> in this new book, and and all kinds too. You know, like if I want to entice you, let's say we've got we've got queer sex, we've got pegging, we've got gay sex. You know, we've got everything. There's so like everything. all of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Just like, where was that mailing list again? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I just want to point out that when Beck said that, they actually opened up <laughs> a thing on their browser to Google, and I'm the only one who can see what they're doing. So that was a visual gag purely for me. <laughs> anyway, uh, to wrap things up, uh, my name's Kate Sloan. I have a blog called Girly Juice, which is at girlyjuice.net. My other writing is at katewritesaboutsex.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Bex, where is your stuff? I'm Bex. I blog at bextalksex.com. I'm at bextalksex on Twitter and Instagram. And together, Kate and I are the Dildorks. We're at the Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram, and at thedildorks.com. You can also search the Dildorks on all your favorite like podcast things. Listen to us there, and also rate us, preferably on iTunes, because it makes me smile. <laughs> you said that like it was a question, and I'm going to say more confidently: rate us. That's <laughs> yes, that's an order. Yes, rate and review. Rate and review. <laughs> these, these two people. Um, rate this podcast. Rate and review. <laughs> it's essential. It's essential. Yep. 
Uh, thank you so much to Proto Dome for letting us use his song I Want You in My Bedroom as our theme song, and thank you also to Amy Gardner at Starboots underscore on Twitter for our art. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye! Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay.